Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Joyce Barry and Friends, the number one worldwide radio show. The show's outrageous and it's contagious. It will lift your spirits high, you'll feel that you can fly. Transform your attitude, fill it with gratitude. Cut loose and improvise. It's coaching time today. Joyce is a great coach with an extraordinary approach. Fast on the upbeat, top of the heap. A wild motivator, great stimulator. Unstoppable in a humoristic way. Life lessons with passion, joyfully today. You want Joyce as your coach if you want this to be your best year ever. Coach Joyce here. I want this to be your best year ever. I want this to be my best year ever. Welcome to Joyce, Barry, and Friends. We are broadcasting live across America and around the world. This is the Hour to Empower with stimulating talk, views you can use, memorable quotes, and powerful life lessons. We always have hot guests and cool topics. We even have cool guests and hot topics. You always want to tune us on, tune in, and tune up with us to hear the best of the best. You do not want to miss any of our shows. Each show goes into our archives. Log into Joyce Barry and Friends.com, Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E, and you will see each guest and each topic on our homepage. You can play and download any of our shows, always informative, inspiring, and motivational. You want to share these special shows with your friends, family, and contacts. You can follow us on Facebook and become a Joyce Barry subscriber and even a fan by going to our Joyce Barry and Friends fan page. Be sure to check like. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us by going to our Blog Talk Radio homepage and clicking follow right below my picture. You can also message me in any of these venues about our show, about our guests, about anything. My official website is JoyceBarry.com. Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E. The chat room is open. Log into the chat room, have fun, and chat away. I go back and forth into the chat room during the show to see what is going on in there. Motivation, inspiration, and an education. Positive, happy thoughts to improve your life, health, and finances. Take positive actions to create a gratifying lifestyle. Life lessons from me, your host, Joyce Barry, straight from the Coach's Corner, and then you will hear from our wonderful guest today. Folks, every day should be treated like a special day. We wish you the finest of friends, the opulence of opportunities, the magic of miracles, and the happiest of days. May this year be your best year ever. Welcome to the show today. Uh, the show is 
featuring a fabulous guest, an extraordinary woman, an interesting woman, a talented woman, Sydney Biddle Barrows, and I can't wait to bring her to all of you. First, I'm going to be here in the Coach's Corner and sharing something with you submitted by Wynne, Wynne spelled W-Y-N-N-E, that I found very inspiring, and it's called Being Thankful. Be thankful that you don't already have everything you desire. If you did, what would there be to look forward to? Be thankful when you don't know something, for it gives you the opportunity to learn. Be thankful for the difficult times during those times you grow. Be thankful for your limitations because they give you opportunities for improvement. Be thankful for each new challenge because it will build your strength and character. Be thankful for your mistakes. They will teach you valuable lessons. Be thankful when you're tired and weary because it means you've made an effort. It is easy to be thankful for the good things. A life of rich fulfillment comes to those who are also thankful for the setbacks. Gratitude can turn a negative into a positive. Find a way to be thankful for your troubles and they will become your blessings. I'm going to go over to you, Sydney Barrows. Uh, I believe you're someone who knows a great deal about troubles and a great deal about blessings. Did you resonate with that? Oh, you got that right, <laughs> especially the troubles <laughs> part. <laughs> so uh, did you find that poem inspiring? Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay. Um, I just want to say there has been some static on the line, so I don't know which end it's coming from, so just be cognizant that uh picks up every sound. Um, but without further ado, let me share with you who is this extraordinary woman. Perhaps better known to millions as the Mayflower Madam, Sydney Biddle Barrows is a unique American success story. She totally reinvented herself into a magnificent mentor and creative consultant. She ran a very exclusive and extremely successful call girl service named Cachet in New York City. Relatively small but very upscale, Cachet pr- prospered for five and a half years until New York's finest closed it down only to later publicly concede that it was the most honest and professionally run business of its kind ever operated in New York City. Imagine that. The tabloids were a media heaven over the story. Sex, high society, celebrity clients, Arab sheiks and businessmen whose names you know if you read Forbes in the Wall Street Journal. Her first book, Mayflower Madam, went right to the top of the New York Times bestseller list. Fortune magazine named it one of the 10 best business books of the year, and business schools all across the country, including Harvard, used it in their curriculum. Mayflower Madam was translated into seven languages, and the English version was reprinted 28 times. It was also made into a TV movie starring Candice Bergen. I saw the movie, I read the book, and I loved both. I am 
definitely a fan of the old Mayflower Madam and the new Magnificent Mentor. Sydney was most recently on The View, as well as William Shatner's A&E series, Aftermath. Over the years, she's been a guest on every network morning TV show multiple times, as well as dozens of morning shows in local markets and just about every talk show on the air in the 80s and 90s. And some of the notable shows included Larry King, Phil Donahue, and Oprah. She was also featured in her own A&E biography and co-hosted Saturday Night Live with Candy Spurgeon. And most importantly, she can now add Joyce Barry and friends to her impressive resume. She also has a very extensive speaking career, guest lecturing at colleges all over the United States, including some in the Ivy League, such as Brown and Columbia. Speaking engagements have taken her all over the world. Today, her most popular presentation is sales choreography secrets that subliminally influence people to do business with you. Sydney also has a very active consulting practice focusing on sales choreography and how it influences the customer experience. And as an adjunct to our coaching and consulting business, Sydney does roadblock removal work, eradicating those roadblocks that sabotage people and hold them back. Her most recent book, co-authored with the legendary Dan Kennedy, is titled Uncensored Sales Strategies, a radical new approach to selling your customers what they really want, no matter what business you're in. Sydney and Dan also produced an audio product together called Triple X Rated Sales Strategies. In addition, Sydney writes articles on sales choreography and the customer experience and puts out a bi-weekly newsletter with tips on how to use sales choreography in any business, which you can sign up for on her website, sydneybarrows.com, and that's S. Y-D-N-E-Y, sydneybarrows.com. I know I'm going to sign up for that and looking forward to receiving it. Sydney has no pets, no plants, no children, and no regrets. She is probably the most unlikely authority on cutting-edge business strategies that you will ever meet. And for all of you who are thinking, but my business is different and that you couldn't possibly learn anything from a former madam, listen closely because you are going to hear just how much your business and the world's oldest profession have in common. Sydney, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joyce. It's a pleasure. I am so excited to having you here because, as I said, I was a fan of the book. Um, I was a fan of the movie. And I just want to say right up front that I never held that the world's oldest profession should have been illegal. In my personal opinion, I'm not just saying it now, I always said it. You have consenting adults, you have a business that nobody gets hurt, so it really troubled me when I was reading about arrests and and all that went along with that. I'm sure a lot of other people feel that way, but they may not speak up to say that. Well, you know, the thing that is so hypocritical is that what is the difference between being an escort and being a, you know, a non-escort and sleeping with a man on the first date? It's the exact same thing. The only thing that's different is there's money involved. It's consensual. You're sleeping with someone that you only just met. And 
It's, it's the same thing. I mean, what are people really objecting to? Are they objecting to the fact that young women are out there sleeping with men that they've only just met? Or are they upset about the money? And if they're upset about the money, it's none of their damn business because if someone wants to do that for the money, that's their business. But what is, why is that different than the young girl that has a sugar daddy? How is that different? She has a sugar daddy, a man perhaps two to three times her age. She's getting all kinds of gifts to keep up with the relationship. So why is that different? I see it as the same thing. That's not illegal to have a sugar daddy. Why should the oldest profession be any more illegal? Isn't that a good question? Isn't it? I guess because the whole sugar daddy thing has um, possibly because uh, – see, the, the, the problem with being a working girl is that most people associate it with, you know, girls on the street. And so it has a very uh, negative connotation. And, I mean, you know, to say someone is a sugar daddy as opposed to saying someone is a John, which is a word I never use um, – it, it, it sounds very different. It gives a very different – there's a very different perception you have of that. And I think that and, – and don't, and don't forget, people have had sugar daddies – You know, well, actually, they, both things have existed since practically the beginning of time. But for some reason, having a sugar daddy is, 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 is acceptable. I mean, I've, it's, isn't it acceptable? I mean, people might think that you're, yes. that you're making a mistake, but yes. it's not unacceptable. It's acceptable, and um, it, it's and it's right in your headlines all the time. Where they may not use the word sugar daddy, but every time you see that multimillionaire with that young gorgeous woman, what are they thinking? That there's heart palpitations <laughs> and soulmate relationships involved here. So uh, honestly, when I read uh, the book and saw the movie, I was always upset, and I, I really mean this. I'm saying these gals are extraordinary women. They're not hurting. Anyone and those men are there by design. Nobody's forcing them to be there. No one's forcing the gals to be there. Yeah. So I had no problem with it whatsoever. Well, I'm going to go you. to the question that's obviously on everybody's mind. What was a nice girl like you doing in a profession like that, and what made you want to become a madam? <laughs> well, <laughs> it had nothing to do with wanting to. It was sort of a well, let me tell you the story. Um, obviously, I did not grow up ex- ever expecting to become a madam, and it certainly wasn't a career path that my parents, you know, had ever thought about for me either. Uh, I started out in retailing. I was on the executive training program at Abraham and Strauss, which at the time was the jewel in the crown of federated department stores. Uh, it now doesn't even exist anymore, and I happened to be there when they sent it down the toilet. It was one of the most interesting and uh, instructive experiences of my life to watch uh, management take a a booming, healthy store and turn it into something that no one wanted to shop at. It was was the best lesson I ever had. Uh, So then I went on to uh, work for May Company Corporate, and then I ended up uh, as a divisional merchandise manager of ladies' accessories at a small resident buying office. And to make a long story short, they had hired someone to come in and be uh, my boss as well as uh, you know, the bosses of a number of the other gals. But um, unbeknownst to them and unbeknownst to me, this woman had come from a place where it was customary to be on the take. And the way that works is, let's say a manufacturer has uh, some belts that, you know, that, he's, that he's made 10,000 of. They're sitting in his warehouse, 
but they're not selling. Nobody's buying them. So what he does is he offers them to uh, someone uh, at a very advantageous price and also gives them a kickback. So this was not, I mean, you know, I, I may be crazy, but I'm not dishonest. And when she called me into her office and basically made it clear that this is what she expected me to do, and she even handed me an order that she had, I don't know if she'd written it or the salesman had written it, but anyway, she fully expected me to send this stuff to my clients. And you're a New Yorker, New York, Joyce, you know what the word dreck is. Um, mm-hmm. It's like junk. And there was no way my beautiful, elegant little boutiques were ever going to sell any of these hideous belts. And at first I didn't realize what was going on. I really didn't. But then after she kept insisting, all of a sudden I thought to myself, oh, my God, that what must be what this is. And I realized I had two choices. I could either go along with it and keep my job, or I could refuse to do it and absolutely 100% lose my job. I chose the second one. And uh, so there I was on the unemployment line. This is back when you had to stand online at a certain time every week. And uh, I, I met a gal who had to report at the same time as I did, and we became friends. And one day, it was my turn to go down to her apartment in Greenwich Village, and I walked in the door, and there she was unpacking a brand-new stereo. <laughs> I knew she didn't have any money. I mean, she was making as little as I was. And uh, so, of course, I wanted to know where she got it. And uh, for some reason, she didn't want to tell me. And so I kept pestering. I mean, I even said, you know, did it fall to the back of a truck? I mean, can I get one too? I mean, this is New York. <laughs> and and uh, finally, she looked at me very seriously. She said, Sydney, do you swear you won't tell anyone? I said, I swear. She said, I answer the phones for an escort service. I said, oh, what's an escort service? I, I didn't have a clue. I really didn't. Did not have a clue. You've got to remember something. I was only, what, 26 years old at the time? And uh, so, you know, she told me all about it, and I was, you know, horrified yet fascinated, uh, as I think almost anybody would be, asked asked her all the same questions I'm sure everyone else would ask. And uh, because I was just about the only person who knew she was doing this, you know, she would tell me about it. And one day, and so I said what I think any similarly impoverished physician person might have said, you know, hey, if they ever have any openings, let me know. Meaning, of course, for to answer the phones in the office, not to uh, not to be a call girl. So one day, uh, maybe two or three months later, she calls me up, and she said, Hey, Sydney, someone, uh, you know, one of the gals in the office is leaving. Are you still interested in the job? Well, you know, all of a sudden I had cold feet. I mean, it's one thing to say it. It's another, you know, I was afraid of the police. I was afraid of the mafia. I didn't know what the hell was going on. So, uh, but it did pay $50 a night off the books, which back then was a lot of money. It was it was. A lot of money. It was, I think, 50% of what – I think I was only getting $100 a week in, in unemployment back then. So it, it was a lot of money. And uh, I thought, well, you know, can't hurt to go over there for the interview. I mean, come on. I was, I was curious. <laughs> so I went over there for the interview and uh, got the job. And from the very first night I was there – I realized that while it may have been the old world, world's oldest profession, this guy was not running it very professionally. And uh, my girlfriend and I were constantly Monday morning quarterbacking, you know, why doesn't he do it this way? He, he, he should do it that way. If it was, you know, I would do it such and such a way. And after a couple of months of this, we just looked at each other and said, you know, we're at least as smart as he is. We're definitely nicer than he is. Why don't we start our own escort service? Because neither of us have been able to find a job. And, uh, and 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 I realized uh, 
answering the phones that there were a whole group of men out there who were not looking for hot babes, which is what this guy specialized in because he liked hot babes and all his friends liked hot babes, and he just assumed that everybody liked hot babes, which is the biggest mistake, as I'm sure you tell your clients, that any business can make. You are not your customer. So, and I mean, I had... I, I could tell I had men on the phone who were just like my friends' fathers, the men I knew from the you know from the beach club, the tennis club. I mean, I knew these men would actually probably have a heart attack with some you know floozy came flouncing through their door. So I knew there was a market there, and I knew no one was serving it. So uh, we talked about it, and we decided, okay, let's do it. Um, it was deceptively easy to do, as you saw in the book, and uh, it, it was a huge success from the very first night. And then uh, she left. The business, she, uh, she developed a, uh, an autoimmune disease. And um, so I, I was there on my own for the last couple of years. And, uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's too long a story to tell you why it happened, but uh, we did get busted. I did get busted. And uh, as you said, you know, it became a huge media story and all that kind of thing. And because of the book uh, being so, you know, high on the bestseller list, I started to get invitations to speak. And uh, not only just it started out with colleges, but then it, you know it morphed into other things, including business groups. And what would happen is people would come up to me afterwards, and they would ask if I did consulting. Well, Joyce, I didn't know what consulting was any more than I knew what an escort service was. So I kind of just you know, blew them off and said, "Oh, I'm too busy to do any consulting right now." Well, after enough people had done this, I thought to myself, Sidney Barrows, you know, you really ought to look into this because this is something people obviously, A, want and B, are willing to pay you for. And so you at least owe it to yourself to, you know, figure out what's going on. So I started asking people what it was they thought I could help them with because I didn't think I could help any of these multi-millionaire you know, business owners with anything. Uh, but when they, you know, when they, when they basically told me what, what it was they wanted, I realized that, yeah, I can help them because I have a different perspective than they do. I have fresh eyes, and uh, they can only look at it from the point of view. A business owner looks at his business from the point of view of being the business owner. Uh, as you know, a lot of times they'll try to see it from the customer's point of view, and in some instances that's possible, but uh, the majority of the time it's not. So I just um, I started doing consulting work. And uh, happened to be very good at it. It was kind of surprising. I was scared to, oh, Joyce, my God, my, my first consulting job, oh, my knees were shaking, my stomach was doing somersaults. I was absolutely convinced I was going to be expo- exposed as this, this huge fraud. I mean, I, I know everybody's had one of those experiences at least once, and it's a horrible, horrible feeling. But, um, but I did get through it, and I did do a good job, and I made a very nice living between the speaking and the consulting. And then, uh, so that, that's, that's how I went from being a, uh, a madam to being a business consultant. And it is fascinating, and we're going to spend most of this show talking about uh, the advice you can give to business people. But I, I just have to ask you one question going back to the old profession. You had industrialists, high-powered business executives, lawyers, foreign diplomats, and Arabian oil sheiks. How did they find you? Who gets a clientele like that? Julie, you advertise in the newspaper, just like back then you did for everything else. Oh, and in the yellow pages. I can't imagine an Arab sheik reading your classified ad. In, in, in the International Herald Tribune. Wow. Because 
clearly to attract that level of clientele that's got to have made an impact on attracting that level of clientele in your consulting practice as well. I mean, you mm-hmm. have a high-end market here. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, that, that, that's not really true for the consulting business. It started out that way because of the business groups that I would speak to. But to be honest with you, I prefer to do business with the guy who or the boy or the woman who writes the checks. And my consulting business now focuses on uh, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, and small professional practices and businesses. I do that whole corporate thing. It just, just did not work for me. I just didn't like it. And uh, I, was, I, I was very fortunate, and I, I fell in with a group of uh, – of solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, and small businesses and professional practices, a, a business group, and uh, and I completely turned my, uh, you know, my my business in, into doing that. Do I make less money? Yes. Am I happier? Oh my God, yes. I hate I hate to work in those big corporations. I didn't hate it. I didn't like it. I didn't love it. I didn't love it. How about that? Yeah, I, I get that. I totally get that. You're an independent woman. Um, any of the clients that you have in your consulting practice? Any of them former clients from your other business? I'm just curious. No. no. Because people really did have the highest regard for you and the way you treated people. I mean, that that was very important to you, that women were not made to do anything they didn't want to do, different than your predecessor who was a little crazy. So I just wondered, out of those relationships, if any of them moved forward with you as well, because a lot of them, I would imagine, became your friends on one level or another. Well, the thing is, is, is it was such a hot story. You, I'm sure you were in New York at that time. You remember it. Yes, I that everyone was absolutely was. Everyone was absolutely terrified to, uh, to get in contact with me for any reason. And oh. uh, so that, that did not happen. And, and I understand that. I understand that. Some of them, I heard that some of them had gotten called in, and uh, my former boyfriend had gotten called. I mean, you know, they really went after people. And, uh, and I totally, and, you know, everyone probably assumed that my phone was being tapped, and I, I completely and totally understand it. And I'm, I'm not saying that. that. If I was them, with... I do this. I would do the same thing. I wouldn't. I wouldn't get in touch with me either. I understand. Uh, just one other thing before we move forward. The dual standard really upset me as well, that the women were all in trouble, and the men that were the clients, they didn't want to touch them. They didn't want to go after right. them, and these were judges and high-powered execs. So that really was a disturbing thing That's as well. That's how I didn't do any jail time. That is why I didn't e- wasn't even on probation. That's why all I did was pay a $5,000 fine, which my lawyer termed a kiss on the wrist and and you know got away with it because my lawyers were really smart you know what they did uh you know the voir dire process in uh jury selection you know they get people up there you know they have a jury you know a mm-hmm, possible mm-hmm. jurors pool you know when you have jury mm-hmm. duty and they get you up there and they ask you all these questions well all of that is a matter of public record that's a public thing anybody can go and sit in on a voir dire mm-hmm. and so what my attorney said was Okay, well, we're ready to go to trial, but we just want to make sure that you understand that during the voir dire, we have to make sure that nobody has any kind of conflict. And that's why we're going to have to read every name out loud in the client books to make sure that the juror doesn't know them or doesn't know someone who knows them. Well, guess what happened? They couldn't get rid of me fast enough. 
I love it. I, that was the piece I didn't know that you just explained right now. That's extraordinary. Okay, I promised we'd move forward to your other life. How many lives have you led? That was one life. We're on life oh my number God. two. That was life number two. Then the uh, sort of the, the speaking was life number three. Uh, then I had a couple of jobs in the interim, you know, like real jobs. So that was that was life four and five. And I think so. This one, this one is number six. Uh, hopefully, you'll even surpass how many lives the cat has. <laughs> as long as they're good you're, lives. As long as they're good yeah, lives. Yeah, you're midway there. Well, you recently published a book called Uncensored Sales Strategies. You co-authored it with the legendary Dan Kennedy. You write articles and give interviews on sales choreography. You have a successful consulting practice. You give presentations. How on earth did you go from being a madam to becoming a magnificent mentor and successful businesswoman? Well, as I said before, it, it's, it started out with uh, giving those speeches and having people ask me if I wanted to do consulting. But then uh, I got really blessed, the legendary Dan Kennedy, uh, who, for those of you who don't know him, is only the most incredibly brilliant, absolutely brilliant marketing genius on the planet. And he and another guy uh, started a, uh, a membership group for small businesses, you know, entrepreneurs, you know, solopreneurs and that kind of thing. And he had heard, a co- uh, he had heard an audio copy of uh, one of my speeches. Um, what, was it, what was that one? Something about marketing a high-cost service. And he thought it would be a fun idea for me to come and speak at one of their two big yearly events. And so he invited me. And, uh, and I went, and uh, I just loved it. And uh, and, uh, and, he, and he and he and I, you know, got along really well together. And you know, we made a, an info product together, and we wrote a book together. I, I was the first person to ever, for that he, he ever worked with in that way. He had never done that before, and um, it was a huge, 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 huge honor. And so, because of that connection, I got a lot of clients from that group because you know it, it had his sort of had his blessing. Like if, if Dan thinks she's she's terrific, well then you know I, I've got to work with her. That is fascinating because certainly he's highly regarded, and oh, he yeah. sought you out. That's that's incredible. Yeah, uh, Sydney, you state blessed. that one of the big factors in your success is recognizing and using the lessons you learned from your very first job in retailing. Tell us about that. Uh, it it it's okay. It's uh, we've we've already briefly touched on it. Uh, I started out as an assistant buyer in the bath shop. You know, shower curtains, hampers, scales, toilet seats. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I when I got transferred to the uh, Paramus store as the uh, uh, department manager for fine jewelry, I always said I went from toilet seats to diamonds. <laughs> anyway, back to the back back to the toilet seat story. Um, so my buyer and I were in the uh, out in the market shopping for shower curtains because we needed more shower curtains. So here we are in uh, a shower curtain showroom in the old B. Altman building, by the way, down on Ladies Mile. Those of you, those of you who are New Yorkers will know what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, he is showing us the most hideous shower curtains you have ever seen in your entire life. And yet, here's my boss busily writing orders for it, for them. Yeah. And I leaned over and I said to her, what are you doing? These are the most hideous things I've ever seen. I said, I wouldn't put one on in my bathroom on a bed, and neither would you. And she looked at me, she said, Sydney, 
you are not our customer. Our customer likes these kinds of shower curtains, is looking for these kinds of shower curtains, and comes to our store because they know that we have those kinds of shower curtains. We have to give them what they want, not what we would like them to want or what we would want. And that was a huge, just like with Eddie and, and, and the floozies. And that was a huge lesson to me because most, so many people, as you know, as a consultant, make that mistake. They, you know, they, they, they do things because that's what they would like. Yeah, again, I, we did touch on it briefly. I just wasn't clear. Was it just because there were kickbacks involved, or besides that, no, the no, 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 so no, 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 you didn't want your name involved. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I don't. I mean, if anyone in Abraham and Strauss ever took kickbacks, I don't know about it. It would be a pretty stupid thing to do. Um, oh, okay, so it was a clean business, but horrible. Oh, case. absolutely. It was just this little resident buying office that was that was the problem. Gotcha. I understand now. Uh, folks, we're listening to Sydney Biddle Barrows, a fascinating woman indeed. And you're also listening to Joyce Barry and Friends. And listen now to Beverly Nadler, who will share with you why you should be listening to us every day. Listen to me. I have something to say about a wonderful way to start your day, a way to stimulate your mind and increase your energy make you feel so good. And guess what? It's free. Weekdays at 11 a.m. Eastern, hear the Joyce, Barry, and Friends show. You'll find it on the Internet, on Blog Talk Radio. This show is upbeat and fun and very inspirational. It's informative, educational, and very motivational. There's the Coach's Corner, great quotes and news. There are suggestions perspectives, and advice you can use to enhance your life and improve your health, plus clever, simple ways to increase your wealth. Joyce's perceptions and personality will keep you captivated, and her guests from many walks of life will always keep you fascinated. When Joyce and her friends speak, it's like you're in the conversation. This is part of what makes her show so unique, really a sensation. For Joyce's friends are not only the guests you're listening to, they're everyone who is tuning in. Yes, I do mean you. So refer your friends and family. They'll be so pleased to know. And let's make Joyce, Barry, and Friends the number one internet radio show. And, folks, how that happens is to all of you who partner up with me by becoming a follower of our show. And you can do that by going to Joyce Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E, and friends.com, clicking follow right under my picture, and you will get an email every day from Blog Talk Radio, who the guest is, what the topic is. Uh, so you will be right on top of what it is that we're doing so you don't have to miss any fabulous show, just like you're listening today and not missing this one. Joyce Barry and Friends.com, become a follower, and we're on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Sydney, why don't you talk about your websites and uh, the best way to connect with you? Okay, well, I have two websites because I have two businesses. Um, I have the consulting coaching and coaching business, and that is www.sydneybarrows.com, and that's S-Y-D-N-E-Y-B-A-R-R-O-W-S. 
Um, if you, if you, I mean, if you Google Mayflower Madam, you can, you can get to me that way too, if you can't remember my name. And uh, then I also do something called roadblock removal, which you briefly touched on in the, uh, in the introduction. And what that is, is uh, uh, as every coach and uh, consultant will tell you, clients pay hundreds if not thousands of dollars for a coach or for you know for a consultant to come in and tell them what's wrong and what they could do about it and you know they 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 yeah 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 they think it's a great idea and yet it never happens the same with coaching you know they 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 pay all this money to 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 coach with you and yeah they do do some things but they sure don't do as much as they could or that to be honest with you that they'd like to and that's because people who have roadblocks are unable to get past those roadblocks their subconscious roadblocks to do what they want to do and to be who they want to be. A lot of people talk that oh I'm I'm you know uh, I'm just procrastinating. Uh, some people will say well I, I'm just stupid or you know I just it's just not possible for me to do. I mean they, they've got all these but what's really going on here is that their subconscious you know has put up roadblocks and uh, against them being successful for whatever reason. It doesn't matter what the reason is. It just matters that we get rid of the roadblocks. And, uh, and that's what I do. It's done over the phone. Uh, you have to tell the, the client tells me. The only thing the client has to tell me about themselves is what it is they'd like to do differently or how they would like to be differently. Other than that, they just sit there. Uh, they can't. The only thing they have to do is they can't multitask. They have to like lay on the bed or sit on the, in a chair or lay on the sofa and just listen on the phone. That's all they do. You don't have to tell me anything about yourself. You keep your business to yourself. And uh, it works really fast, which is good for them, but bad for me because, you know, it's high client turnover. When people see results that quickly, um, you know, they, they, they don't sign up for too many more packages. So, uh, and there's also a guarantee if for some reason uh, you don't see results in, uh, in, you know, within the first four sessions, you get 100% of your money back. And no one has ever asked me for a refund. And the way to find out about that is www.roadblockremoval.com, roadblockremoval.com. Very, very interesting indeed. Next question to you, Sydney. You say there are riches in niches, and you go on to explain that while niche markets are lucrative, sub-niche markets are even more lucrative. Why would that be? Because people who have certain interests love doing business with a business who also has that exact same interest. For instance, the client of mine has a business selling everything having to do with Scotty dogs and Westies, which are white Scotty dogs. I mean, that's her whole business. You can buy, you can buy clothing, you can buy tchotchkes, you can buy kitchen alarms, I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, kitchen timers, everything. She's got cards, Christmas cards, and that's a sub-niche. Now, a, a, a niche above that would be dogs, selling things having to do with dogs in general. She sub-niched it down to only Scotties and Westies. The, the niche above dogs would be pets. So if you're someone who has a Westie or a Scotty, would you go to do business with someone who was in the pet business or who was in the dog business or who was in the Scotty and Westie business? Wow. Right? Good Right. Yes. I mean, here in New York City, as you know, there there are hair salons who advertise uh, that that they that they are experts in curly hair, that that's what they do. They they're all about curly hair, and if you have curly hair, 
um, and apparently a lot of people who do say it's difficult to get a good haircut, where are you going to go? Are you going to go to a salon where they cut everybody's hair, or are you going to go to a salon where they specialize in curly hair? And if it's a little more money, you'll pay it. Yeah, so that's what a niche is. That's what a niche is. And the it's a piece of it's a piece of a business that that is only for a certain number of people, but those people are such great customers and so enthusiastic and let everyone else know about you who has that same interest that they're they're very successful, and they very often, if not usually, make more money than the more general businesses. If you try to be something for, as you, I think you probably told this to your clients, if you try and be something for everyone, you end up being you know very little for no one. Mm kind of like the jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none theory. Yeah, yeah. Sydney, how do you attract clients, and what do you do to keep them? Well, I primarily get them from uh, the uh, whole Glazer Kennedy world. Um, it's called GKIC. It's a membership um, It's a membership group. It's, they, they, they teach you how to do marketing, uh, they teach you how to, you know, build your list. They teach you how to sell. It's all about supporting small businesses. So I get most of my clients from there because I speak at their events. Dan always writes about me in the newsletters. We have that book together. So I would say that's where 90% of my clients come from. And what is the name of that again, and what is their website? Uh, it's GKIC. G-K-I-C. It stands for Glazer Kennedy Insider Circle, but Bill Glazer is no longer there, so they just call it G-K-I-C now. And what is their website? I guess it's www.gkic.com. I don't know. Let me let me go online and uh, go to my computer. It, did you say that? I wasn't sure I heard you correctly. Did you say J-G-K-I-C? G is in George, K is in Kennedy, I as in Island, and C as in Cat. Got it. G-K-I-C. Let me see if I, yeah, let me see. com. Let's see if it takes me there. And while you're looking to do that, I'm sure you're great at multitasking. Once you attract these clients, what is it you do to keep yep, them? What right, makes right you there. special? Oh, it is correct. Uh, com. Yeah. First of all, people... I mean, there are some people who would never do business with me because of what I did, and that's okay. I mean, in a way, I'm a niche market. I'm, I'm the kind of person that if you're someone who is looking to, to sort of you know, push the edge of the envelope, uh, have someone who is an out-of-the-box thinker, uh, you know, have someone who, is, you know, who, yes, can do things the traditional way, but also can look at a business and, and think of um, opportunities and options and strategies that a lot of other people that say have an MBA wouldn't think of because that's not the way that they learned how to think about business. I had a uh, former boyfriend of mine uh, is a senior partner at Deloitte, and you know they train them to do consulting in a specific way and to look for specific things. And if they were to walk into one of my little businesses, they wouldn't know what the hell to do. So I have a, you know, and, and also don't forget, I've done three startups myself. I love startups. Um, I'm, a, I'm a startup expert. I've just got two new startup clients. And, uh, and, and you know, and so I come up with innovative. I'm, I'm not for someone who doesn't want to stand out. If you're not willing to take a little risk, if you're not willing to stand out, then I'm not the right consultant for you. I'm not the right coach for you. But if you're willing to, you know, 
go a little further than, than you know, than you might. I mean, you don't have to do everything I suggest. I give suggestions, not, you know, not orders. Um, but I'll, I come up with things, like, for instance, I had a, uh, a client who was a dentist, and uh, every month we would decide we were going to do a promotion. Well, National Tooth Fairy Month, and you can go online and find out all these, you know, happened to coincide with that movie, The Tooth Fairy, where that, that, um, think that big black hockey player was the uh, star. So we did a whole promotional thing about that. And he, uh, he said, you know, all you have, even if you're not a patient of mine, come into my office and I will give you a little box to put your children's, you know, young children's teeth into. Because where do most people uh-huh. put their children's teeth? They do save them. But they usually put them uh-huh. in an envelope. So uh-huh. he went and found a, a bunch of boxes that uh, I guess they were shaped like a tooth or they had a tooth thing stuck on them or whatever. And, uh, and it was a very successful uh, promotion. Uh, I had him do a Halloween candy. The first thing we did together, Halloween candy buyback. Now, a lot of people are doing this now, but I was the one that came up with it. And uh, what it is is, is is bring in for every pound of candy you bring in, uh, we'll give you, I think it was a dollar or something like that. So this is something, you know, he lives in a small town, and he lives in Irmo, South Carolina, which is, you know, talk about you-know-what nowhere. Uh, and so he uh, started advertising it. Well, all of a sudden, and I said, you know, the press is going to pick up on this because, you know, everywhere has local TV, local media, and they all need to fill those newspapers and those radio shows and television, you know, newscasts with something. And this was different. This was interesting. This was fun. So he got a huge amount of coverage. The first year... The first year, Joyce, he collected 800 pounds of candy. 800 pounds. Almost nobody. That's awesome. Almost nobody took the dollar. And then I asked him. He said, "What am I going to do with it?" I said, "Well, do you have a, uh, a military base nearby?" He said, "Yeah." Now this is, you know, during the Iraq uh, war. I don't think we've gone to Afghanistan yet. And mm-hmm. uh, I said, "What you're going to do is you're going to take it over, and you're going to have a big presentation thing at the army base. You're going to call the media." And, uh, and you're going to present them with all this candy for them to send to the troops. And sure enough, the media ate it up, loved it. And now he's been doing it every year. And uh, even though some other dentists in the area have, um, uh, have advertised that they're doing it too, he still gets almost all of the candy because he's associated with it. Right. Like people did, when they think candy buyback, they think of him. And, you know, the people, who, especially people who are patriotic and, and or don't want their kids eating a lot of candy uh, or have leftover candy they don't want to eat themselves <laughs> and can donate to a good cause, uh, he does tremendously well. And so I do all Very kinds clever. of things. You know, yeah, I do all yeah, kinds of things like that for people. Very clever, very out-of-the-box, and uh, let's go to one of our listeners who's definitely out-of-the-box, Janice. Uh, Janice, hi. Anything you want to share with Sydney Biddle or ask her? Well, you know, here I am multitasking. I'm on a walk with my dog, so I don't know if I'm going to come in clear. You're clear. <laughs> I knew okay. you were with your dog because you were in the studio the whole time, and then the line dropped, and then the, the, from the house to the cell phone, so I knew. <laughs> I know your routine. You're either at a stove cooking all day or walking your dogs, amongst the other things that you do. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, anyway, it was really great to hear your guest and uh, listen to her thinking outside of the box because actually that's how I always like to think. (laughs) And uh, phenomenal. And, of course, her past is very interesting because, you know, it's the survival of the fittest. So great going. Thank you. 
Well, well, Cindy, she was out of the box indeed because I think she was like 16 when you're not even allowed in a Las Vegas club, and she was already a dealer. Um, so, I mean, her stories are pretty wild as well. She was a dealer in Vegas when you're not even supposed to be in the club at that age. Is that correct, Janice? Yes. <laughs> well, you, you must have had to tell a little white lie or something to get in there because they're not going to break the law. She did. No, no, it, it was not done intentionally. It was not done to hurt anybody. And I did see the thing is, as long you as you needed the money, I needed to earn an income, and I didn't want to be a, a waitress. So yeah, I I did that, and um, you know, and then it was the only thing that was a problem was paying your taxes. So I used my correct social security number and used somebody else's identification, which was my cousin. And they they did they did finally catch up with me five years later, but I was 21, and the sheriff of the the uh, town, his son did it, and so because he did it and all he got was a slap on the hand, I didn't get anything, so I got lucky. Yeah, 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 you did. Yeah, you did. Well, also the casino got lucky because they could have really taken a whack. Yeah, but I did so many casinos. <laughs> oh, okay. I was, I and she I, rose I, up I, in the ranks so quickly. She was so good. So before she was even 20, she was like a supervisor. and She was pretty amazing. I, I spread the wealth, you know. But I like to think outside the box. As a matter of fact, I, I helped the, the, one of the casinos in California come up with their logo. And today they still use it because I hmm. said everybody could be the best. Everybody could be the biggest. But only one could be the friendliest, and you can look uh-huh. that up. Perfect. So, we, you know, they captured it because every, they were trying to outdo by adding another table. They were going to be the biggest. So the biggest isn't the best. It's just no, and somebody else can be the biggest tomorrow by adding two tables. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway. That's why you never want to be the cheapest. Someone can always undercut you. That's right. But you could always beat or match their price, right? Yeah, but that, that's not, you know what, I, that's one thing that I absolutely discourage my clients from being in. None of my clients, in fact, I don't even want to work with clients who are in the, you know, how cheap can I make it business. That's not, right. that's, not a, that's not a good business to be in. You want to be in a business where people are dying to do business with you because you do something special. And on top of that, they will pay more because they really want what you do and what you have. Yeah, and and I always say profits better than wages anyway. So I yeah. like profits. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for letting me listen and talk with you a little bit here. It's great. Thanks for and calling in. You're welcome. And and Janice, we don't want to distract you from picking up after your dog. <laughs> so well, go he, do your thing I, and I have go him ahead. trained. He doesn't he doesn't do his business anywhere but in the yard because that's where your my husband yard. picked it up. My yard only. Good wow, training that's great. indeed. Good yeah, training don't indeed. Don't go outside. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to have to pick it up. So thank you for calling in, and uh, we're going to be getting back to Sydney Biddle Barrows. I just want to first give you my official website, JoyceBarry.com, B-A-R-R-I-E, uh, where you'll find out about my trainings, my coachings, my mentoring. Uh, countless endorsements on the site. Here are just a few I want to share with you now. Joyce Barry is an outstanding success coach. She is a master coach, the best of the best. Here are just a few of her clients who want to endorse her. Marlon Brando, 
Karen Joyce as a coach is an awful you can't refuse. President Bill Clinton. I did not have sex with that woman. I did not have sex with Joyce. She is my coach. Sylvester Stallone. Yo, Adrian, Joyce is the best coach, you know. She helped me train for Rocky. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I hired the Joyce-inator because no matter how much I may drive her crazy, I know she'll be back. President Ronald Reagan. Well, Joyce, uh, Nancy, and I just love you. There you go again. Win one for the Barry. Elvis Presley. I'm all shook up about hiring Joyce as a coach. I'll get a little less conversation, a little more coaching. Jack Nicholson. If you can handle the truth, you want Joyce as your coach. Johnny Carson. I can hire Joyce as a coach? I did not know that. That is wild. Did you know that, Ed? <laughs> Charlie Sheen. Winning. That's because Joyce is my coach. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Woody Allen. Are you crazy? This whole time I haven't had Joyce Barry as a coach? You kidding me? Hi, Ted Siuba, and I think and grow rich. If you were thinking about hiring Joyce Barry as your coach, just do it, and we'll grow rich together. And even Joyce Barry herself. What do Olympic athletes have that you don't have? A coach. Hire me and have this be your best year ever. If not now, when? I want that gold medal. I want to hire me. Email coachjoyce at AOL.com. That's coachjoyce at AOL.com. Coach Joyce here, and I would love to hear from you. Just put radio show in the subject line, and I promise you those emails get my top priority. Back to Sydney Biddle Barrows. Uh, what is a fresh eyes analysis, and why do you recommend that every business have a thorough one done at least once a year? What is it? A fresh eyes analysis is someone with fresh eyes, and someone with fresh eyes is someone who has never seen your business before, has never, you know, has never been there, has never done business with you. And so what I do is I go in, and I, I'm anonymous to the staff. Of course, my client knows I'm there. And I go through the entire sales process. Uh, or if it's an Internet company. And I go through the entire sales process because what the uh, client thinks is going on is so often not going on. You wouldn't, I, I remember one of my first uh, consulting assignments, the first day I had dinner with my client, told him some of the things I found. He was so horrified that he, hi, he fired the manager the next day. He was so horrified. I mean, people don't. And also, when, when, when you are in your space every day, there are things that you just don't see. You don't see that, uh, that the, the edge of the chair is worn. You don't see that the place needs painting. Uh, you, know, you, don't, you don't see uh, that the uh, clipboard that people fill out information on you know, is shabby. Uh, you, you know, you, you don't, if, you're, if you're a man and there's a woman's locker room or a woman's changing room, whatever, uh, dressing room, you, and you're a man and you own the business, you, you've never seen what's going You've never seen what, it's look like, what it looks like in there. Uh, most people do not go on their own websites and uh and you know and and pretend and try to be a customer they can't because they already know where everything goes on their website they already know how to work it but someone who's never done it before can go on there and tell them things that that they would otherwise have never realized so that's that's what a fresh eyes analysis is someone comes in and goes over every single bit of your business and uh uh suggests how you might you know make it better and uh and that's what i do 
And that's a very valid point you made, that when you're in the same surroundings, same people every day, there is a certain kind of blindness that you have. It's just you're so used to it, kind of like when you pick up your toothbrush, brush your teeth every day, you're not focusing on it, you're not thinking about it. You just automatically do it, and then people in their own environments, they kind of get like that. So mm-hmm. you made a very valid point that there's so much they don't see right in front of them, which includes the logistics and the staff as well. Also, you another say thing, another thing. Go I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Another thing is they don't realize what kind of perceptions people get from the way that their place is furnished or that the way that their website looks. For instance, I remember uh, going to a, uh, a dermatologist right up here on Central Park West just because she was close, and that was the only reason I picked her. And uh, I walk into the office and it is just, and I walk into the, the, you know, the waiting room and thing. I mean, it's it's got bare wood floors. It it had these just really generic, uh, you know, chairs to sit in. There was just nothing. They had absolutely no character or personality about it at all. And this woman was trying to build a cosmetic practice. And I thought to myself, there is no one who's going to let this woman do anything aesthetic to her when they walk in and they look around and they see that she has absolutely no eye for aesthetics. They're not actually thinking that consciously, but subconsciously, mm-hmm. there's just something that doesn't feel right about it. This just something so that doesn't true. feel right about it. And there's, and there's, you know, so, so many, there's so many other things like that, like, like, like your website, for instance. Uh, people who do business with women only, their websites look very different than people who do business with men only. Uh, and they, and, and it, you know, the look of the website transmits to people, that, you know, this is, this, these are the kind of people that, that this website caters to. And if you go to Kendall Summerhawk's website, you know in a New York second that, 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 that almost all of her clients are women. Same with Allie Brown. Then you go to something like Ryan Dice's site, and you can tell that, you know, most of the people who, who go there are men. It's just so it's important that you be congruent, that everything that the client, um, everything that a customer, a client, or a patient sees, everything they hear, everything they touch, everything they experience has to be congruent with, with the story of your business. That is so true, and they have a blind eye. They're just, like I say, they're so used to same routine, same people on a daily basis that they're not really thinking uh, about what would work. So they need people like you to point that out to them for sure. Also, you believe that our economy is evolving into what you call an experience economy. What do you mean by experience economy? Well, you know, basically, basically, we all, most of us already have everything we need, and there, and, and most of us know that uh, when it comes to uh, especially service businesses and stores and stuff, that there are many, many, many choices. Unless, of course, you're in a, a niche business, uh, and so why would someone choose to do business with you as opposed to anyone else? Uh, now, there's some. Ex- it's about the experience that they have while they're doing business with you. Now, for instance, in New York, part of the experience is you're right around the corner. Uh, in other places, an experience, uh, a positive experience might be something like uh, you're open late and they, and they work late. So, but, I mean, then there's, there's other things, too. There's, there's customer service experiences. There's the sales experience. There's, uh, you know, how, what's your sales process like? Um, well, how does it make you feel when you go through it? But 
people will generally choose to do business with someone that they like the experience that they have, regardless of what that is, when they do business with them. Sydney, I saved the best question for last. <laughs> I couldn't wait to ask this question, but I always say the best for last. We all know people sell more when they offer a really good guarantee, but you offered a guarantee in your former business. How on earth do you guarantee a call girl? Well, now, see, that's the thing. People don't think outside the box. Of course you don't guarantee the call girl any more than a lawyer could guarantee results or a financial planner could guarantee, you know, how much money you're going to make. What you do is you guarantee something else. Now, what I guaranteed was that uh, most escort services routinely lie when it comes to the description of the young lady that they're going to be sending to a client. They also lie about how long it's going to take her to get there. So by the time he thinks she's going to be there in 15 minutes, and she shows up an hour and 15 minutes later, and she isn't at all what he thought she was going to look like, but he's already waited an hour and 15 minutes, so he's going to keep her, and they count on that. So... What I did is one night when I was describing a young lady who really was exactly what my client, what the prospect had asked for, he said, you know, he said, how do I know that, 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 you know, that you're telling me the truth? He said, I've, I've, I've heard that so many times. He said, I'm not going to fall for that. And all of a sudden I had this inspiration. I said, well, I'll tell you what. If she doesn't look exactly the way I've described her, and if she doesn't show up on time, then, you know, then I'll guarantee you that you can just send her away and just give her $20 for a taxi fare, send her away. Actually, I think it was back then it was $10 for a taxi fare, and, uh, and I'll send you <laughs> someone else. So that was my guarantee. If she doesn't look like what you think that she's going to look like, in other words, if, if she's a redhead and, and I told you she was a brunette, that's, you know what I mean? So that's, that was my guarantee. What, what, what she looks like. Now, with my uh, professional clients, professional practices clients, uh, let's take lawyers, for example. One of the biggest complaints that people have about lawyers is they don't call them back. It makes people furious. And so what I have my lawyers do is they guarantee that by the end of the business day, they will receive a phone call. Now, note, receive a phone call is not the same as receiving a phone call from me. So uh, what happens is, uh, uh, you know, the office staff uh, will call back the person in question and will say uh, something to the effect of, um, "Hi, I, uh, Mr. You know, Mr. So and So, uh, got your message, but he's in court today, or he's doing whatever it is he's doing today, and is not able to call you back in person. But, but he just wanted you to know that he did get your message, and that uh, and that he will call you or do whatever it is it is, uh, you know, by such and such a time. And so you can guarantee to your uh, perspective, you know, legal clients, that, that that's a guarantee, that, that you'll get a call back. Sydney Biddle-Barrows, I guarantee that I will invite you back to the show very soon. It was delightful having you as a guest. Is there anything you. you'd like to say in closing? Uh you, you, you and I were having a conversation before, and uh, before you know we went on the air, and we were talking about how uh, you know this, these, these aren't the words we use, but making lemons out of lem making lemonades out of lemons. And I have a wonderful quote from Walter Mondale after he lost um, a presidential election, and it says, um, "Don't don't focus on what you have lost." focused on doing the best you can with what you have left. 
that, that's not the exact quote. I forget the exact quote, but that's basically what it was. Don't focus on what, what you no longer have. Focus on what you can do with what you have left. Because if all you think – see, people, all people think about is, is what they've lost. And a lot of people have great difficulty or it takes them a long time to start thinking about what they can do with what they have left because that's the only thing you've got going for you anyway. So why you know, do the trauma and drama thing of, of oh, woe is me, my life is over, da-da-da-da, when uh, you can focus on something that will be helpful to you? Well, I'm going to focus on getting you back on the show sooner than later. I thank, thank you. you. I appreciate you. Folks, go out and celebrate your resources, celebrate your opportunities, celebrate your life, celebrate what's going to come your way. Celebrate miracles. If you only will believe in them, you can have them show up. Thank you so much for listening today. Here is our celebration song. I was listening to Blog Talk Radio when my ears heard something that I did know. From the speakers of my laptop, I heard a voice. It was the White Oprah, also known as Joyce. He did the mash. The Joyce Barry mash. Joyce Barry mash. She is a coaching smash. He did the mash. You'll catch on in a flash. He did the mash. The Joyce Barry mash. I felt so inspired by her show and her poetry was just so good you know i want to listen to joyce again and again as joyce would say if not now when he did the mash the joyce barry mash joyce barry mash she is a coaching smash he did the mash you'll catch on in a flash he did the mash the Joyce Barry Mash. Wow. Joyce knows all about having fun. Wow. She's a home business wizard and she's just begun. Wow. She's wow. a coaching sensation for not just me or wow. you or her. It's for everyone. You can mash. Do the Joyce Barry Mash. Joyce Barry Mash. She's a home business smash. Then you can mash. You'll catch on in a flash. Then you can mash. Do the Joyce Barry mash. Wow. <laughs> Have a fantastic day and listen to Joyce Barry and friends. Wow. <laughs>